Today's episode is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash adventures in autism. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Hi everyone, welcome to Adventures in Autism, episode 132. I am Megan Carranza. Thank you so much for coming to listen. If it is your first episode, welcome. So happy to have you. And if you've been listening, thank you so much for coming on back to the show. And I'm going to start again by saying thank you so much to everybody who has taken the time to leave a rating or review for the podcast those reviews have just been blowing up these past couple weeks. Honestly, like if I get one new one a week to me, that's blowing up. So (laughs) the fact that there's been like several new reviews is just so exciting. And I really am just so, so appreciative. I love hearing your feedback and just honestly, it, it means the world to me when I hear how much the podcast means to you guys and that you can relate to it. That is just like the the best (laughs) hearing that. Um, but again, it also, it really, really helps other people to find the show. And that's what I want to do is just anyone who would benefit from listening to this show. I really appreciate those reviews. Also, if you are listening and enjoying, you could like take a screenshot or share my post about the show on social media. That would be amazing. I just, I mean, I want to keep growing this community mainly because I know how important it is to to have that support. And again, I started this show because back in the beginning of our journey, I there was nothing like it. I couldn't find anything like it. And I really wanted a podcast like this one. So, you know, a couple years later, I'm just so happy to see it growing. And again, just knowing that people are appreciating the show and it's helpful. It it really just means the world to me. So thank you so much. And if you have been enjoying the show and you've not taken the time to leave a rating and review, I would be so grateful if you would. Kind words are always amazing, but even just tapping that five star, very helpful. (laughs) So thank you so much. And today we're jumping into another installment of Hot Topics, which I'm very excited about. I got a really awesome reception from that that this this will be number two this is the second hot topic with the first one I did on all about AACs and our whole AAC journey and just kind of communication in general I got some really great feedback about that episode and honestly I I really enjoy these hot topics um people seem really excited about them too I got several suggestions for upcoming and again it'll just be kind of like sprinkled in here and there with these episodes today I'm going to talk all about IEPs and I decided to do this topic next because it was probably the most asked for honestly there was a few though that were like really high up and got suggested several times but this one comes up a lot and I get a lot of questions about IEPs I'm constantly getting asked if I have an episode you know kind of focusing on IEPs and I, like all these hot topics, I have talked about these things on the show, either our own experiences or with guests, but if they're in conversation, it's just kind of like, you know, a a blip in the episode. So the, the hot topics I do think really deserve their own episode. There's just so much to be said. And especially with IEPs, I feel like there is, there is so much to be said. And to be honest, it's almost a little bit intimidating because I never want to come across like I'm not an expert, so I don't want anyone to think that I am. Um, but I am a mom with a lot of experience. Even though Logan's only eight, we have been you know in our school system since he was three, so we have several years of IEPs under our belt. And I always just find it so helpful to hear other people's experiences, and that's you know whether they are just starting out this journey or have been on it for years and years. I feel like we can all learn from each other and. I do have some kind of listener advice I'll share later. I had asked on social media if anybody had questions or, you know, tips for IEPs. So I do have some questions and some advice that I will get to later. Some of the questions I got were just like very general, like, you know, 
what's your best advice for going into an IEP? How should I handle this? And things like that. I think a lot of that will be answered just sort of like in the bulk of this episode. Um, but I do have like some specific questions that I thought were some really good ones that I will get to at the end. But again, definitely not an expert, really just doing these hot topics to, you know, have a place to direct people to when they are specifically wondering about something like AAC or IAP, you know, having episodes like this to look back on, I think is really helpful. But also, like I said, I'm, I'm happy to share our journey. And if it can help somebody, I am thrilled to do that. IAPs are something I just get asked about a lot. So... To kind of go back, um, like I said, Logan, you know, he's been in the district for a long time. So it was actually like even before he turned three that we started evaluations in our school district. And at the time we were actually living like five minutes from here, but we were in a different district. So he was initially evaluated in that district and we had our first IEP, which to be totally honest with you, I was like so green. I didn't even know that what we were doing was like an IEP meeting or, or meeting to discuss his IEP. I just thought we were discussing him, you know, starting school and getting into the district. I, I did not realize, and nobody ever said to me, you know, we're going to finalize his IEP. This was all, I was very much thrown into this world. And I remember that meeting and honestly the first probably three years or so, the meetings were extremely emotional for me and always felt, I always went into those meetings like on the verge of tears, I feel like. So just, you know, the slightest anything could make those tears come out. And I, I think it was many reasons. I think looking back, I did feel, you know, kind of intimidated by the whole process. I, I was still so new to this world and you know those first couple IEPs Logan didn't even have a diagnosis he had the diagnosis that was given to him basically through EI not even our pediatrician but early intervention had diagnosed him with a global delay you know meaning like he was delayed in speech and he had not not necessarily gross motor delay but definitely fine motor delay and I mean global so just like across the board he was he was delayed for his his age at that time and yeah it definitely it just it just felt like such an uphill battle those those first few years for IEPs and not even because like I didn't like our team but just because like I just felt like we were I've said this in in previous episodes but I felt like we were like under the gun and there was this like imaginary, you know, clock that was just like tick, 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 tick. And with every, you know, year or really like month that passed by and Logan was not catching up, it just felt like we were like getting further and further away from, I don't even know what. <laughs> um, so any, yeah, anyone listening who has like young kids and you're just starting out, the process and this is one of the questions I got too that will come up later but if you do go into these meetings feeling intimidated or emotional I think that that's normal I think that's totally to be expected and you know I wish that I had reached out to parents who were further down in this process or even you know just knew any parents who were further down in this process to kind of hear their advice because I did feel just such like a fish out of water at these meetings and I also think I like as an advocate, I just wasn't where I am now. I was, I didn't have my footing, so to speak. So when I would go in, I felt like I was just kind of like listening to everybody else. And I wasn't necessarily like actively participating in the meetings. So that made it a little bit difficult. Um, I was just listening to everything, which I think is good. I think it's important to, you know, be a good listener, but like I said, I just remember like feeling so emotional and there was, there was always so many tears. Like I, I there, I mean, I, I, like I said, I think the first like three years, all the meetings, I would cry <laughs> at like every single one. And honestly, sometimes I still do cry, but it's more of like happy tears or at his very, his last IEP, which we did virtually last year, I was really emotional because 
you know, it had been such a crazy year. We, we had his IEP in May after, you know, leaving school in March with the pandemic. And even with all the craziness, I still felt like so supported by his team. And I really missed them in a way that, you know, I hadn't, I hadn't felt like that in a long time where I felt kind of like alone in this. Like I've, we've had such a strong team for so long and to all of a sudden kind of be without them, even though they were, they were all still very supportive and I was still in communication. It just, it made me appreciate them even more. And I got emotional in that meeting because I was just like, you guys are the best. And I'm so thankful for this team. So it's not like I don't care anymore, but to kind of go over some basics. So for anyone who, again, maybe is totally unfamiliar, IEP stands for individual, individual educational plan. And basically that's just what it means. So it's looking at the student as an individual and, you know, what's going to help them achieve the best results in their education. So I, again, it's, it is so individual and we're all going to have such different things that we are looking for, for our kids. So I think for me, the most important things that I like to think about when preparing for an IEP and going into one is like, what are the things that I want to see for Logan going into the following year? So to kind of go back, I mean, when he was very young, we were really focused on speech. And that was one of the things that I just wanted to push as much as I could. And I talked about this a little bit in the last episode, because we talked so much about speech, but his speech teacher in, or his SLP, I should say, in preschool, I didn't necessarily agree with, with everything that she was doing. And like I said, looking back now, I definitely have, I see that very differently than I did at the time. And we were using the core board or she was using the core board with him at school and we were doing PECs at home and PECs was working a lot better for us. And that was one of the things that we definitely had some, some disagreements about. And I always just made it really, I always stood firmly in my place that, you know, I, I didn't think that the core board was the best thing for him. And we definitely had some, I don't want to say tense words, but there was, there was like a, a bit, there was some tension for sure in the room when we would discuss that because I, I just didn't feel that the core board was serving him. And unfortunately we didn't necessarily, though, whatever I said, it, it wasn't really enough to like move the needle at that point. We did incorporate some packs into his day, especially his second year of preschool or was really like he started school halfway through the year. So he, it was like, he was really two, two and a half years of preschool. Um, but in the second year of preschool, his teacher was kind of more on board with me. And even though during his individual speech time, they still would use the core board to, you know, do his sessions. We did incorporate more packs kind of throughout the day. So I remember one of the things that we had talked about was he had this little, like, almost like an envelope, like a, um, laminated kind of little pocket that stayed in his cubby. And he had all of his little laminated PEX cards in there as opposed to having like an actual PEX book. Again, we had a PEX book at home. So, <laughs> so like, I wish we had, you know, used this both ways. Um, but we did incorporate more PEX during the day. And I think that that still was very helpful and better for him. But yeah, looking back, that's one of those things that I wish I had known more about just kind of like my role as the parent and that like I didn't necessarily just have to go with what everyone told me. And I didn't. I definitely pushed back when I felt like it was important. But I think if I were the the mom and the advocate that I am now, then he would have had that PAX book in the classroom. I mean, I can't say that for certain but that's how I feel. So anyone listening, if there is something that you, you really do feel super strongly about and you're thinking, you know, this person that I'm kind of like going up against, like they're, they're not listening to me, they're not hearing me. You really do as the parent, you have rights and you have just as important of a role, if not more important in my eyes, more important role than anybody sitting at that table. And I think you know, and that's something you'll hear too in, in the parents' advice who had written in. Speaking up is really the best thing that you can do. So if there's anything happening that you don't feel, 
you know, is serving your child or that you're not 100% comfortable with, when you're sitting in that meeting, you know, if there's something that happened earlier in the year and you weren't able to communicate about it, any of those things, like now is the time to discuss them. I mean, I don't want to say like speak now or forever hold your peace, but I mean, like now is the time to discuss them and like get it all on the table. And then you can, you know, really have that honest conversation. And I do think, you know, psyching yourself up, maybe planning what you want to say. I mean, I'm not necessarily the kind of person who does that. I'm sort of like a fly by the seat of my pants kind of gal, but I do like to think about the main, the main topics that I want to go over and the main things I want to cover. And especially then I would definitely like, you know, sit in the car beforehand and then driving over to school and be psyching myself up thinking about, okay, like I definitely want to talk about this and I definitely want to talk about this. So as Logan got older and then like, especially now that he's in a co-op, he's not, he's, you know, technically out of district placement. I think for us, everything got better because I think we were just in a better placement and you know, that it's hard to say like what exactly caused that. I think it was a lot of things. I think it was, you know, research. I think it was luck. I think we are very, you know, privileged to, to be in the position that we are because like I said, I I have no doubt that Logan is in the right placement. And because of that, there are so many things that are just like included in his IEP and included in his day that I don't have to fight for because it's just like standard protocol with, with where he's at with the co-op. So my experience has been very different these last few years at an IEP. Whereas, you know, when he was in preschool, even though it was a special education program, it was just not quite as individualized as what he has now. So my experience has been very different, but that being said, I still, like I said, I still will, as we're prepping, which we are now for the IEP, I will think about, you know, what have we done this year that has worked really well? What do I think we should continue? I will also think, you know, what are things this year that maybe weren't so great? (laughs) Maybe things that we could improve upon or change. I think, you know, last year and this year are obviously such a different animal with all the you know, pandemic stuff involved. Cause I mean, last year I know at his IEP, like I said, it was virtual. There were so many things that we were kind of like, you know, this was the goal this year. Another one of the things that's, that's huge is, you know, when you, when you make a goal on, on the IEP, at least in Logan's case, I, I think this is universal. I don't know if it is everywhere, but like there, there are benchmarks to his goal. So if the goal is, I know last year, one of the things we had was to write his name independently. That was one of his OT goals. And we had benchmarks set up. So it's like by the end of the year, we wanted him to be writing his name independently. So, you know, by like the end of the, the fall trimester, he would be, you know, writing with, with this much support and he would get it like, I don't know, two out of five tries or something. Um, and then, you know, by the end of the spring, spring trimester, he would be using less support and he would get it three out of the five times. So it's like, we had these benchmarks set up and those are really helpful too, because a, it's just, it's data and it's, it's documenting, you know, improvement as the year goes on. It also sometimes shows you, and there has been times when this has happened where we're like, this goal maybe is too lofty or maybe we just need to tweak it a little bit. And we've done that in the past. I know for his kindergarten year, one of the goals we had for, for speech was for him to be using, answering yes or no questions appropriately. And when you first hear that, it sounds really simple. And I remember having this conversation with his speech therapist earlier in in his kindergarten year when, when she was asking me, she's like, you know, does Logan know the difference between yes and no? And immediately I was like, well, yeah, yeah, he knows the difference. And she was like, I know it sounds really simple, but she's like, when you think about it, like it really is more of a, it's a little more complicated than it sounds. And she's like, you know, if we were to ask him a, a yes or no question, like, do you, 
you know, do you want chips? Like he could probably give us that answer. But if we're asking him, you know, something a little more nuanced, that answering yes and no for for Logan, especially at that time, that was a challenge. So we ended up amending that goal and we we replaced it with something more um we were working more like action words. Um just because we felt like with the try with we were trialing and I think by the first benchmark we could see that it was like it it was definitely a little more tricky than we had we had thought so we were like you know we'll come back to that goal and last year that was one of the goals that I wanted to come back to I felt like he was he was ready to do that at that point especially because we had the device now and I felt like he was just understanding communication more and more so that was one of the goals that we had on his IEP for this coming year. It was something I had proposed at the last meeting to say, you know, I, I would really like to come back to this yes and no. It was also something we were working on at home in speech therapy with his private speech therapist, and it was going really well. So I felt like that was something that we were, we would, you know, it would be appropriate to kind of add that back in. And so far he's doing really well. He's hit his benchmarks, heading up to that. And that's been really exciting which I remember his kindergarten year, we, that was the first year that he, like the, the end of that first trimester, that was the first time that he'd hit all of his benchmarks. In preschool, he had, you know, maybe made some of them, but a lot of times he was falling short on those benchmarks. And I think that could have been for a lot of things. I think, like I said, where he's at now, I just think is just it's much more conducive for him to learn the way they have their day structured and set up it's just like it it really is as close to perfect as we can get for Logan um and we're we're so blessed with that so I think part of it is just you know he's able to to take in more in the setting that he's in but I think also they we just we know him better now and we kind of know how to like structure these goals not that we didn't know him as a three-year-old or four-year-old but academically it was at that time it was really hard for me even as his mom to to say yes I I think he understands this or no I think he doesn't and now I really under the I I operate under the circumstances thinking that he just can you know completely understand everything and I really believe that he does um at the time though I'll be honest I I really wasn't sure and I think we have had a lot of like you know, breakthroughs and light bulbs in the, in the years since then that have really proved that to me. But like I said, I think academically me and his team are just so much more like in tune with everything. So I think that's really important too, when you're going into this IEP and you're like writing these goals, I think it's really important to be super, super honest with yourself about where your child is at. And that might sound harsh, Um, I don't know. I'm not sure how that comes off to me. That is always like one of the things that I, I really strive to do is just, I mean, I try to be honest with myself on everything, but I know like there was a time, especially in those first couple years where I would be sitting in the IEP and that was where a lot of the emotion came from was them telling me like, you know, we're, we're working on this with Logan and he's not getting there or he's struggling with this. And I would always think about like those few times when he would do something and I would really cling to those times as opposed to like looking at the big picture. And so that was definitely a lesson that I needed to learn. Whereas now when I go into meetings, I feel like my eyes are like fully open to everything. And I also just feel like Logan has grown like leaps and bounds. So it's, it's easier to be honest because I feel like I, we just see so much more in him. Whereas before I felt like there was a lot a lot of question marks. So as far as like goals, that's, that's kind of how I feel is it, I think listening to the team's input is really important and cause they're, they're teaching your kids every day. So they do see them in a different way than you do. And kids do act differently with, you know, at school than they do at home. But I think if it's a collaborative effort and you're, you're, you know, working towards these goals together and you really agree with them, if there's a goal that you're like, you know what, that's just, isn't that important? Can we focus on something else? Like that needs to be said. And I think that's really important because there are times when, you know, like I'm, I'm always, I I think academics are really important and 
I absolutely want Logan to, you know, achieve all that he can academically, but I really do like to focus on, you know, those like self-care goals and just like the life skills. And obviously at school right now, he's so young, there's, there's not like a ton of that, but I'm always trying to work those in anywhere that we can. Again, speech goals are always really important to me. Obviously now we use his, his device, so speech looks a little bit different than it used to. But that's been something a couple different times that's been brought up is like reducing his speech minutes because what they've said, and I I understand, my answer is still no, (laughs) but the way, again, the way that Logan's class is set up, they're like, you know, we incorporate, you know, communication and using the device and working on those things all throughout the day. So he's, he's getting that all the time. So we don't necessarily need the individual speech minutes and maybe we could, you know, use those minutes for something else. But again, my answer is always no, because I feel like even, even if that's true, and I'm so glad that that's true, that they are working on communication all the time with him. I still think I know Logan. I know how much he benefits from that one-on-one time. And thankfully it hasn't, this year it has not been an issue at all. He has a new speech therapist at school who was like amazing. Actually finally got to meet her in person for the first time the other day. I drove Logan to school for the first time like ever because he always takes the bus, but there was an issue with busing. So I drove him and I got to meet her and she was fabulous and she is really great with Logan and he does awesome with her. So she, I think, understands where I'm coming from with that and wants to just maximize those minutes as much as we can. Um, But again, that's another area where I'm just kind of like, okay, I hear you, but the answer is no. And that's fine. If there's something in these meetings that you're like, I feel super strongly about this, I think it's really okay. You have that well within your rights as a parent to say, you know, this is really important to me and I'm not willing to, to budge on this. And I think that's great (laughs) if that's how you're feeling. Now, as far as like other things that can be in the IEP, like I said, a lot of the stuff that we have now is just kind of standard protocol for school. But if you have a child who, you know, is maybe in like a mainstream class or just, you know, in a, a less supportive environment, I think looking for those supports anywhere you can is really important. So Logan has access to like any piece of OT equipment you can imagine throughout the day. So he, he usually wears his own headphones, but they have headphones at school. They have weighted vests. They have compression vests. They have just like the bands. They have all different types of seating. So I know for him, there was, I don't, now I think he just sits mostly in, in a cube chair, which is a little bit kind of tighter quarters and he likes that and it helps him, helps him sit. And he has, um, like a, like a long kind of bean bag that they'll put across his lap. And it's something a for him to kind of play with and just give him that sensory input, but also he feels the weight of that and that's good for him. But again, so we utilize like every possible thing that we can for him. And, and that's just standard for his classroom. But if that is not standard for where your kiddo is, if there is something that you think they would benefit from, I think having that written into the IEP is the best way to do that because then like nobody can dispute it if it's written into the IEP. So one person I was talking to said that his son was able to bring um, like a stuffy or his teddy bear to school because that was comforting for him and it helped him to focus more by having that. Um, so it, whether it is like a, something from home that would be helpful, great. Or if, you know, they would just benefit from something like a different chair. I know Logan has also used like those bouncy chairs he's used. They have like mini rocking chairs. There was a time during when he was younger, where during circle time to get him to actually sit, he would sit in a rocking chair so he could rock back and forth. But there, there are so many things that, you know, there's small things are like having a chewy, like that kind of stuff. They're, they're small things, but they really can make such a huge difference. And if they're not written into the IEP, then you never know if there could be one of those, you know, teachers or faculty, somebody who's like, no, you can't do that. Whereas if it's written into the IEP, if there ever is a time where somebody disputes that you have it in writing, like, look, it's right here. So I think that's really important is also having things written into the IP. Like one of the things that we 
really like to push for is inclusion time. So Logan is in a self-contained classroom, but we like to push those inclusion minutes wherever we can. And that's one of the things every year I say, can we add more minutes? And even if it is, you know, I know he, he started with music class. That was like one of the first things that he did with his typical peers. And when he first started, he wouldn't do the whole class. He would maybe only do like 10 or 15 minutes. But by the end of that year, he was able to do the whole class. And then we pushed into PE, um, which up until then he'd been doing adapted PE and he still does adapted PE with, with his, his peers in his class. But he's also able to do PE with his typical peers, which is awesome. Um, he gets, he sits in the lunchroom now, which that was a big deal too, because for the first year he sat with his class in the classroom and I think most of his classmates still do sit in the classroom, but he's able to sit with his typical peers, which is great. Logan is not, he's very much a sensory seeker. So things that are like, you know, loud or busy, he doesn't have any issue with that. Whereas there's other kids in his class who that's would be overwhelming for them. Same thing with like assemblies. Logan is able to attend all the assemblies, but it's not appropriate for everyone in his class. So we are, like I said, always looking for more inclusion time. And that's one of the things every year that I ask for, I will be asking for it again this year is where else can we push in? Especially one of the things that we've seen in Logan this year is his skills in math have really developed and he's doing awesome. He's like, he's doing his math independently, which is unbelievable because a lot of what he does in class is it's very, like I was saying, one-on-one. So even like his, his schoolwork, when he actually gets to the point where he's working on his schoolwork, he has one-on-one somebody who's really helping him. Um, but then just a couple weeks ago, they told me that he's been able to do his math work completely independently, which is like unbelievable to me. Um, and they're doing things like addition, but they're also working on like fractions and measurements and he's doing awesome. So that's one of the things that next year I want to see if, again, maybe not the entire time, but if he could get pushed in to some of those math programs with his typical peers, I think anywhere we can find those little pockets of, you know, this would be a good place to try. Cause it's not one of those things where we want to just like throw him in and, overwhelm him like off the bat we do we want to like look for these the best times to do that and that can be that can be challenging so it's just like like I said kind of like looking for these pockets here and there but that's definitely something that I am am planning to talk about for sure and just to kind of like overview as far as the planning my number one piece of advice in terms of IEPs and really just with everything, is having that open communication with the team. So for Logan, I speak to his teacher very often. (laughs) Um, She sends home a daily communication sheet, and I, so she writes her note, I write a little note back. Um, Just today, we were texting on the Remind app. That's an app that we have that um, if usually if there's something like pressing that I need to know about quickly, she will text it to me on remind. If it's something that's maybe like further off, like scheduling the IEP or something more, you know, school related, then we'll usually email. If it's something that I feel like we need to have a conversation about, I will say like, Hey, do you have a minute? You can call me and we'll talk like that. This was one of the things that I talked about when I was on the parent panel, uh, last month, we were talking about communication in general and just like, what are your preferred ways of communication? And if you have one that works better for you, if you're someone who like really works best with email, then just say that and just say, you know, I would really like to communicate with you and just find out how things are going. If you're not getting something like a daily communication sheet, I would definitely suggest that. And that was what I had said at the meeting is that, you know, we have all these different forms of communication and I appreciate all of them (laughs) and I utilize all of them. And, you know, I don't want to be a pest, but at the same time, it's like, if there's, if there's anything that I need to know about, or I should know about, I want to know about it. So I think one of the ways that, you know, you as the parent that can start that is if you feel like you, you know, you want to reach out, if you are feeling kind of in the dark, just send that email and just say, you know, Hey, how have things been going at school? And I think 
what that does is it opens the communication so that when you get to points like this where you're prepping for the IEP, you feel comfortable to have those conversations. So one of the things that Logan's teacher has done the last few years that I really appreciate is usually like a few weeks before the IEP, she will send home kind of a worksheet for me to fill out and just talking about like all the things that I just explained, like what are what are things that I would like to see for Logan in the coming year? What are things this year that I feel like he has, you know, really excelled at? What are things I feel like he's still struggling with? And, you know, what are, what are things I would like to see for the following year? And I always really appreciate that because it's, first of all, it's just something I can write down and then she can read it and kind of get back to me. So it's a little bit like low stakes, I feel like. Um, but it also, it just kind of lets her know where I'm at. And then, Usually from there, she will either send me an email or we'll have a phone call. This is before the IEP. And she'll say like, yeah, I was on the same page. Usually we're on the same page. <laughs> Again, she knows Logan really well. Obviously, I know Logan really well. So her and I have, have great communication. And same thing with the rest of his team. I have had numerous you know, emails and, and phone calls with the speech therapist or the OT, just yeah, talking about goals for the next year or his uh, social worker. Also, I talk to her a lot. And again, that, that really is my, my biggest advice is like having that open communication. I think it will help you through the whole year. I think it's, it, to me, it really is the most important thing because knowing what's going on, knowing how, you know, your teach that your child's teacher is viewing things, how the whole team is kind of viewing everything and how you are viewing them, telling, telling them how you are viewing everything. I I just think there's nothing more important than that because then when you get to the point of an IEP, you are ready to go. So I haven't gotten that worksheet yet this year. I'm anticipating it coming pretty soon. Um, and like I said, I already know what I'm going to be talking to you about. We have had some conversations like here and there just about things that have been working this year, things we've both been happy with, or, you know, maybe looking at to improve in the future. So I know we were on the same page with some of these things, but yes, it's nice to just like put that in writing. Uh, and then the next thing that I would say is like my biggest piece of advice is to get a draft copy, like at least a few days before, ideally like a week before. And I know that's something in Illinois that is, it's the law for them. They have to provide a draft copy. And there's so many reasons why I think that's important. Number one, because reading an IEP is, it's it's not like all that straightforward. <laughs> it's definitely confusing. There's a lot of like terminology used. And that was something I had said at the parent panel too, is I think it would be really helpful especially for parents who are like new in this, if, if they sent home like some kind of key, you know, like the back of a book, you'll find the key. Um, just with like some, some of the terminology explained and things like that. Cause like I said, in the beginning, I didn't, I really didn't know up from down. And there was a lot of things that I found really confusing with the IEP and honestly I still do. Um, so I really do like having time to go over the IEP and just read it and a lot of times I won't even sit down and read it in one sitting. I'll just kind of read like sections because they are long and detailed and I, I want to be ready and know everything that's on it. But the nice thing about that is then when I go into the IEP, there's no surprises. And especially if you do have it like, you know, a week before, if there's anything that you want amended before you go into the IEP, you can always make amendments in the meeting. And that's important to know that you can make amendments. <laughs> um, but if there's anything that I think needs to be amended beforehand, I can just, you know, let them know, let a teacher know, and we can decide what we think the best course of action is for that. But if you do nothing except for those two things, like open the communication to talk about the IEP even before it's going to happen and get the draft copy, those two things alone, in my opinion, make the biggest difference. I think, again, going in as strong as you can, knowing that it is well within your rights to, to speak up and share your feelings. It's okay to cry. All those things. I think those are all super important and really none of, none of that should be overlooked. But like I said, my two biggest pieces of advice are communication and having that draft copy. Okay. I just talked a lot. I'm going to take a quick break. And then when I come back, I will answer the questions and have, uh, the advice from other parents. So stay tuned. 
For you, the listeners of Adventures in Autism podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. I often get asked for book recommendations related to autism, and one that I always go back to is called The Out of Sync Child by Carol Kranowitz, and it was actually recommended to me by a friend who is also an OT. And I read this book years ago before Logan was even diagnosed. It's not necessarily just for autism. It also goes into like sensory processing disorder or ADHD, but it's just very valuable information and a really great resource that I still pull from today, even though I read it years ago. So that's a really good one. Sometimes just to get my mind off things, I also just enjoy good old chiclet. (laughs) I love anything by Emily Giffen, like Something Borrowed or Something Blue, and those are available on Audible as well, but you can pick from any of their titles. So to download Download your free audiobook today. Go to audibletrial.com slash adventures in autism. All one word. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash adventures in autism for your free audiobook. Okay, so jumping back in, I'm going to start with some of the advice that I got from parents. Um, I'm just going to read through these and I'll kind of give my side notes if I have any. This one says, document everything don't sign during the meeting if that's an option. Take it home and read the draft to make sure you understand and agree with everything. Yes, I think that's so important. <laughs> Again, especially with the draft, take the time to to read through it and understand. Like I said, if you need to make an amendment beforehand, go for it. Um, document everything I think is, is definitely really good advice, especially if, you know, leading up to the meeting, if there have been things that you have not been comfortable with. Like I said, having, having those things bringing them up is super important but especially if you have them documented have like dates if there's things that have not been abided by within the IEP I think that's super important uh this says request draft copies of everything in writing ahead of time yes absolutely you want the reports and the testing protocols ahead of the meeting it's important to read through everything and process all of it while trying to stay present and participate fully. Yeah. That's why I think it's really important to have that draft copy because then you're not necessarily having to listen to, you know, what is being read to you in the meeting. You already understand it and you're just kind of having it like, you know, you've already gone through it. So I think a, it makes it more efficient because you already understand everything, but B you, you, like he was saying, you are able to really participate because you already have read through all these things. So if there, if there are things that you want to interject on or you have, you know, a note or whatever, I think that when you already have gone through it and it's not, you know, new information, that is just really helpful for you. Um, okay. And the next thing I got, it says, this year I've learned to speak up with the IEP. Hold on, this is not making all that much sense. I've learned to speak up when the IEP you agreed to is not being followed. At one point a few weeks ago, I was on Zoom with the principal, special ed coordinator, special ed teacher, and gen ed teachers because I was sick of the IEP not being followed. And basically, I was going to say, like, you don't want to necessarily go in looking for a fight. But again, if yeah, if the IEP is not being followed, huge red flag. (laughs) And I think that that is a time to definitely interject for sure. Um, And then this also says... Uh, it helps to do some research ahead of time to know what is available. This dad was not, they didn't know that OT, they, they could even have their son evaluated for OT at school. Um, they didn't find out about it until much later. So yeah, I think that's really important too. doing. I mean, I think always doing your research and just knowing what's available, um, especially because and this was something we talked about on the parent panel also, but so often with, with schools or therapy, anything, it's like there, there is things that are available, but it's almost like, you know, they're not going to tell you, you have to ask about it. So until you ask, like you don't know what's available. And I don't think that's fair. It really should be like presented to you earlier. And that was something that me and all the parents agreed upon is that, you know, we are going into this, especially if you're newer in the process, like really blind. And, you know, these educators, they are, even though like we are the experts on our kids, they're, they're the experts on like the system and how all that stuff works. So again, that's where I think open communication really helps because then you, if you have a question or as things come up, I think it just leads to 
just more organic conversations about things that could help and whatnot. But absolutely, I think the biggest takeaway from this is just, you know, speaking up, um, which I think is, is super, super important. Um, okay. So that's, that's the advice I have all really good advice. Thank you so much to everybody who wrote in. Um, okay. So I'm going to answer a few questions here. So the first one is how do you handle disagreements? And this mom goes on to say that their team is suggesting that they actually take away her son's IEP because he has made so many improvements. Um, and he's only four, so he's still in preschool. So her and I actually had a, a a little like email conversation about this. And my only advice there is I would just be very cautious (laughs) with something like that. Obviously that's amazing that her son is making all those improvements and I'm so excited for them. But what I think is really important is that an IEP does protect you in a lot of ways. And especially right now, because he's only four, you know, there's different expectations put on a you know four-year-old in preschool than there are like on a you know nine-year-old in third grade or a 10-year-old in fourth grade and if you take away the IEP it's going to be it's not impossible but it, it could be harder to get him back on an IEP whereas if you keep the IEP and just amend it and you know if there's if there's services that he maybe doesn't need now or needs less of you can always amend those things but I, I do know people who have had their kids taken off IEPs and have not had good experiences because, again, the IEP does kind of, like, protect you in a certain way and it needs to be followed and, and implemented. So I, I think that's really important. To answer the question, how do we deal with disagreements, kind of like I said beforehand, I think knowing where you stand fully, especially if there's something that you – whether it's something that you're anticipating to be a disagreement or not, like I, I know I had talked about last week on the, or the last Hot Topic episode about the AAC, um, me and the speech therapist were definitely in disagreement because at the end of the kindergarten year, I wanted him to be able to bring it home for the summer and she wanted to wait until the fall. And we went back and forth a little bit and I, you know, pleaded my case, but in that situation, I... I really did have to be like, okay, this, this is not my area of expertise. There, there are some things that I, I do think like I am the authority on and devices are not one. So as much as I wanted him to have that device so bad, I knew that I need in my gut, I knew I needed to, you know, listen to her and say, okay, we're going to wait until the fall. And ultimately I'm really glad we did that. Now at the same time, there's going to be times where you are in disagreement and you really do want to like dig your heels in and that's okay if there's something you really feel that strongly about I always think like you as the parent like you know best and just like in that previous advice said like you don't have to sign anything at that meeting so if you're if you're at the end of the meeting and you're at a stalemate there's things that you're not agreeing on you don't have to sign it you can there's a lot of things you can do (laughs) (laughs) Um, but you can call for another meeting. You can call for just an amendment on whatever it is that you're, you know, not happy with. But I think standing your ground, if there's something that you're not going to agree on, I think that that's your right as a parent. And again, I think it's important to be honest with yourself and to, you know, look at the team. And if you really, if you trust them and you feel they have your child's best interest, then like I said, for me, I think sometimes you, it's okay to back down and be like, okay, this is, I'm not the expert here. I'm going to trust the expert. But if there's something that I felt really strongly about, then you can bet your bottom dollar, I would not be signing anything. (laughs) And we would be moving forward in whatever ways that we had to. I do love the phrase, you get more bees with honey than with vinegar. I say that all the time, (laughs) just in my life. So I don't, as much as I want to take like a strong approach, um, one of the, the people that we had, I was talking about beforehand, we had, he'd given advice. Um, one of the things that he said in his message also was take no shit. And I love that. And I told him, I'm like, one of my life mottos, and I can't take credit for this. I don't know where I heard it was do no harm, but take no shit. And I love that because it's like, do no harm. Always, you know, use kindness and, you know, don't, don't come in looking for a fight, but stand your ground. And I think, 
that those are <laughs> both of those phrases um, are really helpful when it comes to an IEP. I think going in, you know, with kindness and compassion for these people who work with your kid every day. And like I said, for me, I, I go into these meetings knowing that these people are working so hard for Logan and they care about him so much. So I don't have any problem going in thinking like, I want to treat these people with kindness and I don't want to fight because I respect them so much. I'm not saying that that's always the case, but for us, I think kind of like the other dad said too, like, it's not like you go in looking for a fight or anything, but if you need to put up a fight there, there are those times. And I think you just need to like, listen to your gut when you know that it's time to do that. So, okay. Um, this question says, I feel really intimidated about our first IEP coming up. How can I go in feeling more confident? I think some of the things that we just talked about, like I think getting that draft copy and reading through it beforehand and really understanding it will help you to feel more confident. So depending on when it is, I would say if you're, if it's really your very first IEP and your child like isn't necessarily in with the district yet so you don't necessarily know the team I would just reach out to whoever you have been you know in correspondence with and just ask them like when is the earliest I can get a copy of the draft um and again some states that is like mandatory if it's not in your state then just all you can do is ask and see if they will send it to you but I think having that information definitely helps you to feel more confident um or if there is somebody that you have been in contact with and you feel comfortable with you can you know talk to them and just say what do I need to know going into this IEP like I said there I wish there was a key for parents with you know the terminology but they're not that I know of (laughs) maybe I'll google one um but if there is someone from the district that you can talk to that maybe can just kind of like decode some of that for you I, I, I really wish I had done that. Again, I didn't even know our first IEP meeting that we were going into an IEP meeting. I was like so green. But I think arming yourself with as much knowledge as you can, whether that's from the draft copy or, you know, speaking to somebody from the district. If you if you do know someone and you're comfortable and you can have those conversations, again, it all comes back to communication. Um, but just know, like I had said in the beginning, I think feeling intimidated by this process is totally normal and most of us feel that way. It honestly wasn't until probably Logan's first grade year that I really felt like confident going into an IEP. I remember coming out of his kindergarten IEP, like smiling and feeling happy, which had not been the case beforehand. But then, so I think, you know, having that, that good experience, then I've been confident going into the next years. I remember this year I was feeling a little unsure just because it was on zoom (laughs) and I was like, how is this going to go? But it actually ended up going okay. Um, but yeah, I think you, it's, it's okay to feel intimidated, but just know that you really are in the driver's seat as the parent. And like I said, just arming yourself with as much knowledge beforehand, I think will really help. Okay. The next question I have is there are people on the team. I don't like, how do you handle people like that? That is a tough one. Um, and there, there have been people who I maybe haven't jived with the best. Um, in that situation, I really kind of try to look at it as like a business relationship. Logan has had, you know, therapists and teachers that I have been extremely close to that I'm still close to. His old preschool teacher was just over this weekend babysitting. (laughs) So we have some that are like family to us and people that I just hold in such high regard. And then there are some who, you know, our school relationship ended and I've never spoken to since and I don't plan to. But I think again, there, if you look at it like a business relationship and you, you know, just have like respect and, you're cordial with everyone, that's the best you can do. You don't have to be super nice to everyone. You don't have to have warm and fuzzy thoughts about all of them. But if they're on the team, I mean, if, if you can ask for somebody different, go for it. If there's another, if there's another person available, like if there's, you know, two speech therapists or OTs or something, if you can ask for another one, go for it. I don't think there's any harm in asking. That's something in the past I maybe would have done had I known that that was okay. Um, but I, I think it's, it's possible to work with those people and, you know, still like tell them what's on your mind for sure. But just doing so in like a 
you know, respectful business-like manner. Like, I always think about those memes that are like, per my last email, <laughs> like that kind of thing where it's like, they, they know what you're getting at, but you're doing it in a, in a respectful manner. So they can't really get upset with you about it. Um, that would definitely be how I handle it and how I have handled it in the past. With people who I maybe haven't gotten along as well with. Okay. And the next question I can totally understand. It says, I get so emotional at the IEPs. How do you stay strong? First of all, I don't always stay strong. I definitely, like I said, in the past, I've had many, many tears shed. And even now, they're still tears shed, whether they're, you know, happy tears or whatever. But I, like I said, th those first few years, I felt really emotional going into those meetings. And I think part of it was that I was just myself, not I was just not in the place where I am now. I think I was still, as much as I, you know, loved and accepted Logan at, for who he was, I was still just like grappling with the whole process and like grieving and just, you know, working through my own feelings. And I think anytime we had to have these like serious talks about Logan and, his development and just academically that was always really challenging for me because it was like a time when I had to like come face to face with my own fears and my own realities that I maybe wasn't ready to face or was not fully facing and so I know for me I think that's where the emotion a lot of the emotion came from whereas now like I had said before I just feel like my eyes are really fully open to everything as far as acceptance goes, I'm in a, a much different place than I was. Um, I just feel, I just feel like we're, we're on a totally different path, to be honest. Like we're, we're really on the same path, but it's like, whereas before I felt like the path was like gloomy and rainy and dark. Now it's like, there's sunshine and a rainbow and like birds chirping. Like we're just, we're, we're in a different place for sure. Um, and I know that has really helped me just emotionally going into these meetings because I think a, I'm just more used to them and B, I just, I feel differently. So for those moms who are like heading into those early meetings and, or dads, anyone listening, if you're, you know, going into those meetings and you're feeling intimidated or insecure or emotional, it's like I said, it's normal to feel all those things and just know that you're not alone in feeling that way. I also think it's good to, um, like I always have Manny come with me and you know, he's, he's happy to come and wants to be there. But in the past we have had Logan's BCBA. Um, obviously we're not doing ABA anymore, so she won't be coming to meetings anymore, but I, I she used to come to a lot of meetings and especially when he was in like preschool, I just felt more comfortable having like somebody else on our team. Cause it's like when you're sitting on one side of the table and you know, like with me and Manny, it was just the two of us. And I don't want to say we were like against the, everybody else, but it's like, you do feel kind of like, Oh, this is intimidating and scary. And now I'm going to get emotional cause I'm just like on my own over here, but having his BCBA there and she honestly, um, I, I adore her, but she wasn't necessarily like there to speak up a ton. Like she would, she would interject if she really felt like she needed to, or she would like kind of back me up on things. Um, but just having her there, even as like, you know, a quiet partner, I felt like we had like somebody else on our team, like representing our side, um, which is really helpful. So if you have somebody else that you feel, you know, would be helpful and, and maybe, you know, it's a, it's a different therapist. If you do like private, you know, obviously ABA, but if you do private speech or private OT, I think if you feel comfortable with that person to say, Hey, would you, you know, mind coming to this, this IEP meeting or whatever meeting it is? Um, I think that that's great. Or if you, you know, want to take it a step further, there's advocates who you can hire to, you know, help you. I, I have friends who've hired advocates and they've had great outcomes. Um, that's more, I think if you have like an issue or something, but also just if you, if you are feeling like you need an advocate, I think that's totally okay. So, all right. I think I have said everything I wanted to say about IEPs. I hope this was helpful. Again, I don't consider myself an expert, but I am a mom who has gone through this many a time and have many more ahead of me. 
<laughs> um, if you have any other questions, let me know. And again, if you're enjoying the hot topics, let me know if you have another topic that you would like to, to hear about for the next one. So far, the ones that have been like most requested for sure, challenging behaviors has come up a lot. A lot of people are asking to do one on that. I've gotten lots of requests for potty training. Um, gotten lots of requests for like relationships. So like keeping your marriage strong, you know, when dealing with a diagnosis or family, like dealing with family and friends who are maybe not as accepting or say things. Um, that came up a few times. And so that's definitely, I might, I might do that as like kind of like a joint episode, like just making it a relationship episode, talk about like marriage and then family stuff. Um, or maybe separately, who knows? Marriage is something that I get questions about a lot too. But yeah, lots of, lots of fun, hot topics coming your way and lots of great guests. I have several interviews in the bank, in the vaults waiting to be released and they're awesome. I know you guys will really enjoy my guests. But that is all for now. So if you would like to connect with me, you can find me on Instagram at Adventures in Autism Pod or on Facebook at Adventures in Autism Podcast. Or you can email me at Adventures in Autism 2018 at yahoo.com. I always love hearing from you guys. Again, like I said in the beginning, if you have not yet left a re- rating or review for the podcast and you would be so kind to do that, I would be so grateful if you would, you know, take a moment to leave some kind words or just tap that five star. But I love hearing from you guys. If you're interested in being a guest on the show, let me know. I've had several listeners turn guests recently. It's always so fun talking to people who have been listeners to the show and, you know, now want to share their stories. So email is the best way to do that. Uh, then you can kind of give me a little backstory and we can go from there. But that is all for now. So until next time, take care.